What's up, Catching Up With Cub listeners? We are on a mission to make this podcast Australia's number one entrepreneurial podcast. And if you enjoy listening, you can help us do so by rating us five stars and leaving us a review. Your reviews will help other listeners find our show and it lets me know what you want to hear more of. I'm so incredibly grateful for your support. Now let's get to the show. Hello, legends, and welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today, we're catching up with Cub member Rick Florence, the CEO of Cold Buster, a floor heating company. After starting and selling several entrepreneurial businesses, Rick decided that he wanted to take a different approach and purchase his next venture. And that's exactly what he did with Cold Buster. He wanted to skip the whole startup phase of a business cycle, and he could see huge potential in an existing business. I think that's a really interesting perspective to hear from because it's very different to a lot of our other members that we've spoken to on the show. With Rick, we discussed uh, the importance of passion and how passion helps you sell and be motivated to promote a product. Uh, We discussed the importance of educating a market when selling an innovative or untapped product and creating extremely effective partnership and referral programs that not just focus on finding new clients, but also focus on continually servicing the ones you have already. He's the most passionate person I've ever met about floor heating. In fact, he's pretty much guaranteed I'm going to be putting floor heating in my next house. Enjoy the show. Boom. We're live. Welcome. Thank you very much. Um, Rick, your cold busters as a name. For- I'll just correct you there. Cold buster. Oh, Cold Buster. Common, common mistake. Everyone so, does it. My bad. Yeah. Well, Cold Buster is a fantastic name for a floor heating company. It is. Uh, I inherited it when I when I took over the business. But yes, it's, that's right. it's but a that, catchy name. And that's what I wanted to talk a lot about today is that your entrance into this business mm. wasn't, um, I guess, what's typical of, of most other members, which is they started the business and they or they inherited it and, and that's it. You actually purchased mm. a business and you were never in the floor heating. That's right. It's, uh, I have been uh, started up small businesses before. Uh, this is the first business I actually purchased, I, I guess, just. As I as one gets older, their uh, risk acceptance changes somewhat. I didn't want to go through the whole process of all the startup stuff anymore. So I thought I'd look at a a, a business with uh, enormous potential where I didn't have to go through the startup phase. Awesome. Well, I want to talk a lot about actually the process you went through in choosing businesses, other businesses you looked at, and how you decided mm-hmm. this is the right investment for you. But before we do that, um, I want to get more. Um, I want to dive into to your story You're from Canada. Yeah. I've read your prep sheet. You've done a lot of interesting things. Mm. But um, was being in what type of family do you come from? Was being in business one that was that always in your mind or? Oh uh, yes, um, I come from Toronto, Canada. Um, you know, a reasonably well-off uh, suburb in Canada, and and we were quite comfortable. My father is uh, an accountant. You know, ended up going to after high school, university, and economics degree. As soon as that was finished, I decided before I start a family of my own and and a job of my own, I better go experience life a bit more. So uh, I hit the road, went to uh, a long backpacking um, trip. I decided I'm going to go as long as I can until all my money's been spent from working summers my whole life. I started in Japan and ended up going to uh, 
Korea, Taiwan, Hong Kong, China, Philippines, Australia, New Zealand, back to Australia. That took all about a, about a year and a half. I, I did some backpacker-type jobs along the way as well to supplement. And were you alone? Yes. And I, so you were just venturing the world on your you own? You know, I, at times, I, uh, two or three times, I did meet up with people that I knew that happened to be in the area, et cetera. But generally, yeah, the whole point was go out on my own, experience, uh, experience things without having a compromise on what I want to do. Or and what gave you the drive to do that? Obviously, uh, backpacking and things. I mean, I've never personally done it, but but I know a lot of people uh, look to you know finish school or uni, whatever it is, and venture out in the world. What what yeah. was it that was driving you to do that? I just I knew if I didn't do it then, I probably never do because, like I said, I'd, I'd be in a job or and or have a family, and I wouldn't have the freedom to do that. But what did you and have I, to gain from it? Um, just see the world. There, there's too much out there not to experience. I did it first year, first summer of university. I did it in Europe, which is quite traditional for Canadians to do. But uh, I want to ex- experience for a longer term. And, and I went out with the attitude, whatever happens, happens. Um, and had... And- and I, I never planned ahead of where I was going beyond a day or two. I hitchhiked 100%, except in two countries where it was just too difficult or too cheap not to, which was China and the Philippines. At the time, China had very few uh, private automobiles, and the transportation network was quite good. And similar with the Philippines, just people didn't have automobiles that much. Any scary stories happen along um, the way? You know... Not really. I always had in my mind, if I got in someone's vehicle or before I got in someone's vehicle, if I ever had that instinct, I would go by it and I'd risk, you know, in a way insulting the driver by saying this, I'm not comfortable, I'm going to wait for the next car. I never had to do that. I never got in any trouble. I think part of it is having that big Canadian flag. Every Canadian has the Canadian flag everywhere in their backpack. Yeah. And some Americans, unfortunately, they feel the necessity as well. <laughs> they think everyone uh, likes them. <laughs> well, it's just a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, don't like Americans, even yeah. though they've, you know, they've done a lot of good in the world as well. That's as a great, so, great But with Can- Canadians, um, people, if they have an opinion, it's usually quite positive. So it was very easy for me to hitchhike everywhere, uh, you know, in every country I was in, people invited me to stay with them at their homes just by meeting them, hitchhiking, et cetera. Like, I was very fortunate um, in never had an incident. Probably the, the closest I ever had was in Tasmania or, or getting into Tasmania. So I hitchhiked onto the ferry from Victoria, and I asked the guy, as we were um, exiting, I, and, and they do a search for, for stuff, I had an apple. And I, wrongly, I said, can I put it into your glove compartment? I, I don't want him to take the apple. And he said, sure, go ahead. So we got through and without trouble, and I took the apple back. And I said, like, oh, I'm glad I got to keep my apple. And he said, yeah, I'm glad they didn't search this either because I've got a lot of pot in the in the trunk, in the boot. <laughs> and and you and didn't get caught? No, we didn't. <laughs> didn't you, get, I so. mean, you, you, sm- you just smuggled an apple. Yeah. It was he had the pot. <laughs> right? No, I know, but who knows what story would have come out to that. So, oh, so like I said, um, I was very lucky, no real incidents. I remember once in Canberra uh, driving around again with someone. He said, you know, I, I could probably kidnap you or whatever. No one would ever know. So I, I 
what could I do? I just joked along with him and he was joking. Yeah. Oh, there's this weird stories. I've got oh, a yeah. friend, Becky. She landed in Barcelona and she opens up a suitcase and had like a brick of, I don't know what it was, but it was heroin. I think it was what it was assumed in her suitcase. And she didn't put it there. Of course not. Becky, you met Becky. She's the, the most <laughs> goodiest two shoes you've ever uh, met in your life. Beautiful girl, beautiful person. And there was a brick of heroin and they freaked out. They didn't know what to do. They called their friends. And uh, they just said, just just leave it in that ho- in the hotel room or wherever you leave. Just leave it in the locker and just get out of there. Leave Absolutely. because someone's looking for it. You just don't know. One time I was kidnapped in Vegas. The only time I ever been kidnapped by a Russian guy, um, um, in the boot of a car with my <laughs> with my best friend Joey. Just randomly. Well, we got it was a we got in the uh, look. I don't know how random exactly it was, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but we had to like try to break out at the lights and yeah, things happen when you. And <laughs> this is also around uh, just after the backpack murders, backpacker murders. Oh yeah, you're, you're lucky you're still here. And and and, <laughs> and um, anyway, what made you land in Australia? So it was just another one of the countries I wanted to see. It's actually when I, I first met my parents on the trip. So they they've never been to Australia, so they decided to fly to Australia, do the Australian thing, and meet me. And I met them in Melbourne. And they were flying to Sydney the next day, and they said, "Well, I'll get you a t- I'll get you a ticket. You'll fly with us." I said, "No, I, I've been hitchhiking 100 percent of the time. I'll see you tonight." And I hit the road and hitchhiked. And I remember it took me about um, 12 hours and 14 rides, and then I met them at their hotel. And when you've got different cars, yeah. buses, yeah, I go as long as I can. Wow, that's a mission. Yeah. Good on you. I don't. It was, well, you clearly it was choose, silly at the, you clearly time, choose but the harder parts. You know, uh, no rush or anything. And uh, but what made you stay? Well, obviously I, your parents went back home. I stayed because in my travels, I met my first wife. Yep. In Threadbow used the hostel. Um, you know, never intended to live anywhere but Toronto in my whole life, and my whole family's still there. But stuff happens when you're traveling, and yeah. And she was Australian. Is no, she was uh, uh, American. She's South African born, American citizen, but her parents were living here. She was in first year med school here. Okay. And so, uh, so, so you married her. And, and we and, stayed and here because she had to finish med school here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we and so here. you set up your life from that point here? Uh, yeah. You, you have, yeah. Uh, I'm assuming you got separated because she said oh, first yes. wife. So, so. after, after um, yes, yeah, seven years, we had a son and we separated, but I'm not leaving Australia. I have a son here. Yeah. So, uh, so hey, hello home. This this is it. And and were you always so? I asked you a while back, but just to bring it back, and um, we, we, did you always want to be a business owner, an entrepreneur, or what, what was yeah. in your head? I, what, I think I always knew that's what I would want to do. I wanted the freedom. I I have confidence in myself that I can do it. If this, if anyone else can do it, I can do it too. I love that saying. That's actually my favorite thing. Is that well, if that person can do it, surely I can do it better than that. Uh, but I'm also admit I don't know everything. You got to get help when when needed. Absolutely, but I want to go for it. Well, I mean, you clearly like the harder paths in life, judging from your travel stories mm. in your <laughs> 14, 14 ride oh, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to Melbourne. But and the entrepreneur journey is definitely the harder one. And mm. um, what was that journey? You were working in corporates, or yeah? Did you move so or? I worked for actually Arthur Anderson Corporate Finance for a couple of years, just to get that background of um, the different experience you'd get there. And then uh, I decided, you know, I've saved up, saved up some money again. I decided to to go out on my own, and uh, I bought a 
a, a small uh, honesty snack food business. Oh, you bought it? Yeah, I, I bought it. It was basically I just wanted to get out. I bought it for like basically that cost sort of thing, and I ran that for a couple of years. Um, it got big enough where, and it was all cash business. It got big enough where to to grow more. I'd have to put on someone, which I really wanted didn't want to do with an all cash business. I didn't want all the headaches and change all the dynamics of the business. So at that point, I sold it. Okay, and so what did it do? What was the business? So it it had um, it was like a box in businesses on the counter, you know, with all the honesty stuff. All the candy uh, with all the, the candy and the honesty system, <laughs> and you donate yeah, a percent that. to charity. So and that's a business. Yeah, yeah, that was a business. And how does that work? What's the business model? The business model is uh, like like anything. You buy cheap, sell higher, and as long as all the margins work out, you know, after paying uh, charities, I'm still making a, a reasonable profit. So you, and you have after, a profit margin, and you donate a percentage to right. the charities. And the, obviously, works. there's a bit of lossage because not everyone is honest, but a oh, big people uh, some, will take the candy. Yeah, but pay. sometimes the opposite as well. There'd be more money in there that there should because people make it up afterwards. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just, yeah. I remember those boxes. Are yeah. they still around? Those I don't things? know. I haven't. Se- well, I haven't seen them for a while, but I, I think they're sometimes they're little candies. But when I did, it was more chocolate bars and yeah, I remember chips the, and all that stuff. The first, it was interesting that your first business you actually bought um, uh, rather than start. Well, sort of. I knew someone who just had it and wanted to get out, and it was it was good enough money and small enough, and I didn't have to do all. Oh yeah, when I said I never bought a business before, that was the that was the difference. Sorry, that, I didn't really count that because it was it was very small. Small, yeah. Well, it was, the it was first almost one. in this infancy. It was the first one, and you yeah. went through a few different businesses, didn't you? Yeah, I had a small telecommunications company. Uh, it was a one nine hundred business before the internet was big, and we basically ran all these one nine hundred lines. What does that mean? Well, you'd call one nine hundred for information or entertainment purposes, and you'd be charged on your phone per minute. Okay, so it, rather than going to Google, you're saying you yeah, call one nine hundred for all that, and yeah. you could find out stuff like yeah, yeah. that. Is that what they yeah. used to do? Yeah, that's what they used to do, and they pay by the minute. Really? And the uh, and how like guys, any types, and how would you guys know stuff? Oh no, because so, you didn't have Google no, to check we, either. We had the machinery and we ran it all, but other people would provide the content. Okay, so we had the relationship with Telstra, who set up the lines, and we managed all that. Okay, what made you get into that? And you started Again, that one? Uh, yes, but with with others. So with just my businesses. So I'll, I'll tell you, the businesses I started up, each time it was with a partner who had the idea. Because so I'm not the most, I think outside the square lot, but I'm also not the most creative, creative guy. I like to take the ideas and make and rationalize them and make a profit with them, hopefully. Um, so I found the opposite. In partners, but in which is way. really interesting because you know that fact, and that's obviously what's led you mm. to purchasing businesses, partnering with mm. people that have great ideas, yeah. and then driving that. Mm. And because I'm still a bit mind blown about the whole one nine hundred thing. Mm. So you're okay. saying before Google to find out things, yeah, uh, people would have to call one nine hundred or one eight hundred. What's the difference between one eight hundred one nine hundred? One eight hundred is a free call. One eight hundred is you're paying. Certain amount per minute, or okay, total but you could have call. a better, better, better information because you're paying. And like any form of communication, including the internet, the biggest seller was sex, sex lines, sex. So, talk. so you, so I could call one several of our clients. Talk dirty to me. Several of our clients were running that business, and we would run the the one nine hundred aspect of it. 
yeah. but we didn't provide the content. So it was even like porn, but no. it was but, but phone porn. Yeah. Just like on the internet, just like on movies and TV. Isn't that funny how yeah. things just develop? Like, yeah. and, and so like let's say I wanted to uh, find hotels in Germany. Would I call 1-900? Well, there's probably a service like that. We didn't have a service we like didn't that. Have one. But, but people like could a, do. That's yeah, how yeah. things were happening yeah. uh, then. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. How did I not know that? Because you're too young. Yeah, 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 clearly. <laughs> but and I wonder what was before that. It was probably like um, just pamphlets and things like that, no? Uh, you're too young for that. I'm too young. <laughs> Chalk and rock. Yeah. Um, anyway, so so what came so, – so you got to floor heating. Yeah. Now, when I spoke to you about floor heating, you were one of the most passionate people I've ever heard. Mm about talking about their business, particularly a floor heating business? Well, it's a mix of passion and frustration. Why is that? The frustration side is we offer two things that in my mind and a lot of people that I speak to are unmatchable. One is floor heating and it's, it beats every other type of product in, in every way and we can get to that later. And the second is the business opportunity by those in the property industry or the construction industry to make a lot of money with floor heating, which I also believe is unmatched as far as opportunity because there's just so much untapped potential. Okay. So that's what you saw in that business. So you weren't yeah. in the floor heating. This would be like me saying, Hey, I want to buy a business right now. Uh, I have no care about what the business uh-huh. is because yep. I'm not a uh, ideas person or creative. I'm, mm. I'm a, I'm a, you could probably say a bit more logical and a bit more, uh, you probably analyze the markets quite well. I, I guess I had to have some sort of interest in it. You can't be in business if you're not interested in it. So like, what was your I wouldn't. In uh, I wouldn't have gone into business and say the fashion industry. I have no interest whatsoever. Floor floor heating industry. I knew nothing about. Never thought about it. Even though I'm from Canada, it's just um, happened to be the business that I was looking at that that ticked the boxes I was looking for. But so, what was it that interested you? It was the, the, it was the opportunity. The biggest know? interest was not only the size of the business and location and logistical things, but the huge untapped potential I saw. And was the reason you were not able just to, for the business, but for the industry? Was the reason you were able to see that potential? Because I assume I've never been to Canada, but I assume in Canada it's fucking freezing, hmm. and a lot of people have a lot of floor heating. Well. The difference between floor heating in Canada and floor heating here is floor heating in Canada is more for the comfort of a warm floor. You're not going to heat a room in the middle of winter. Because it's too in cold. Canada. That's right. But in most Australian conditions. Unless you want a lava floor. You get <laughs> under your kitchen bench top, jump on top of it. Why, why not? Uh, but in most Australian conditions, floor heating is the best way to heat the room. Heating the floor is the bonus that everyone loves. And it also means you don't have to heat the room as much. Because you're on a warm surface already, and but also in Canada, a large portion of the population has floor heating. I wouldn't say a large portion. I, again, the the benefits there are less because it's more for comfort. Where here, it's the best way in every physical sense and financial sense to heat a room if you're doing floors. And so, so and and just take me back one step. So I'm, I want to go buy a business. Mm. I don't want to start a business. Perhaps mm-hmm. that, so. You mentioned that as you got older, your um, your risk profile went down. You didn't mm-hmm. want to take as much risk. That's why you wanted to purchase a business. As a and and uh, you know, I well, I, I sold uh, some businesses. I had some money behind me as well. As you get older, you accumulate 
wealth and I was in a better financial position as well. So you could buy the business. You felt it was lower It was lower risk. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you had kids at that time. Mm-hmm. You're married. You, you can't be screwing up uh, yeah, like, yeah. like you've got the ability when you're young. But you know, I was normal. also over the whole startup uh, part. Phase, yeah. So so what? Did, how did you find okay. different businesses? Where did you go? What did so you do? So I, I basically uh, looked at all the ads. <laughs> I looked at all the ads, you know, uh, started relationships with all the brokers. And I found at the time, probably 95% of the businesses that were presented to me in my mind were worthless and were time wasters even looking at. And but brokers, I, yeah. they're online? Or you found them on Google? Yeah, online and, and by phone mm-hmm. or, and word of mouth uh, any way you can. And, and business uh, brokers are people that literally sell businesses yeah. for a living. Like a real estate agent before yep, businesses. Yep. And sometimes they do both. <laughs> okay. I'll sell whatever you can, I guess. <laughs> I actually but, imagine that. Um, you know, it's just some of the stuff I, I couldn't imagine them selling. You go, go through those very quickly. And it took me a year and a half to find this one. And it was actually my wife that pushed me to, to go see it. Well, but, she's obviously uh, a very smart lady because on your prep sheet, I also read that she pushed you to join Cub. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, no, she suggested a couple of years ago. And I, I put it off. I can't remember why. And then uh, a year ago, I showed her this and said, you think I should join this? And she said, I showed you that two years ago. <laughs> Very smart so, lady. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, it took you a year and a half to find a yeah. business, which obviously means there's probably a, a market in the brokerage, business brokerage business, where someone could uh, create a better version of the business brokers and only tailor good quality businesses to show to their clients. Well, like so many industries nowadays that are totally changing, maybe that's one of them. It clearly needs. It's 1.5 years to find something. Imagine Mm. if you could turn that into three months, you'd Mm. be having a lot Mm. more clients. But, but, um, and, and you, you, you got floor heating. You've been in, you're from Canada. You, you kind of, you have a relationship with warm floors as Mm. it is. How did you analyze the market and what did you think? Okay, this is the one well, for me. Well, as part of the due diligence, I, I worked in the business for, uh, I think, a month or two. So I, I got to know what was going on and, of course, the numbers, but in the, the potential was the main thing. What, and what you're scratching saying, the surface. What you're saying the potential is is that no one uses floor heating in Australia. Very few people do. Well, that's it. And it could be the most cost-effective and best way to actually hit your home well, or hit your roof. What I saw with floor heating is that it's unlike anything else as far as how great floor The business opportunity aside, just the product of floor heating is unmatched for several reasons. One, everyone loves floor heating. There's very little in this world, let alone the building industry, that just about everyone agrees they love something. Floor heating is one of the very few. Secondly, I saw it. It is the best form of heating in every physical sense if you're doing floors. If you're not doing floors, then it's very expensive because you got to lift the floors up first. But if you're doing floors, it ticks every box. So what you mean by that, if you're building the house, the floors aren't on yet, yes, then it's cheap to put on. Yeah, but not just cheap. That's, a, that's the, third, the third aspect is the financial side. But just the physical aspect, it beats every other type of heating. Well, so the, the question I had, well, I do want to – the question I had was – in my parents' place, when I was a kid, we had heated bathrooms. Mm-hmm. And I was told, don't turn them on, it's, too, it's going to cost a fortune mm-hmm. in gas and things like okay. that. Has that changed? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's four common misconceptions in the market that unfortunately prevent people from properly considering floor heating. We don't have to sell the stuff. 
or push it. All we have to do is correct the lack of information and the misinformation, and it sells itself because it has so much going for it. So the first misconception, and I'll get to your misconceptions shortly, but the first one and the main right, one so is- My dad's misconception, my mum's misconception. Yeah. I, go, I said to them, why'd you put floor heating if you don't want us to use it yeah, anyway? Well, that's it. But <laughs> that, that rationale is absolutely gone, and it used to be the case. But the first mistake people think is floor heating must be expensive because it's a luxury item but it's actually the opposite. It's actually quite cheap to buy, or I'd say inexpensive to buy. Um, you know, it can cost, uh, first I encourage people, don't think of floor heating as an additional cost for your project. If you're doing floors and you're planning on spending money on heating anyway, it should be considered an alternative cost. It's the best way to spend your heating dollar, not additional. Alternative to what cost though? Um, Alternative to other types of heating. But you're not going to not have air conditioning because you've got heated floors. If uh, a lot of people will also have air conditioning, but use it only for the cooling because the floor heating is so much more beneficial, you know. So in winter you'd save money. Whether whether's whether's financial, and and I'll tell you I'll tell you why it's so much preferable, and some of it is cheaper as well. It's the only type of heating that evenly distributes the heat in the room. With air conditioning, you're getting hit in the face you're when gonna, you're lying in bed. You're going to have it from one or two spots. It has to circulate always inefficiently, leaving cold and hot areas, usually blowing around dust and particles and other crap in the air. You don't want any of that. You want the evenly distributed, gentle, radiant heat. And secondly, you want your heat from the floor. You don't want heat from a wall or a ceiling when hot air rises. It's a no-brainer. And then the third yeah. one is, like I said, floor heating is the only type of heat that not only heats the room but heats the floor, which everyone loves, and it means you have to heat the room less. And then other, other things like nothing to see, no space requirements, nothing to see, nothing to smell, nothing to hear, no blasts of hot air coming out, no... Um, not to mention when you get out of bed in the morning and you put your feet in well, the car, it. it feels... That's whew, it. Ah. That's it. Uh, just every, and that goes back to what I said before. Everyone loves floor heating. Yeah, I actually listening to this, listening to you talk about it. It's probably the biggest regret I've ever made in my life is not putting. And, <laughs> and this is this is where bedroom. we get to, I guess, the business opportunity I saw offering it to everyone in the in, in the property industry in the building industry is every day we hear from people. Oh, I did my floors. I forgot about floor heating. None of the trades told me it's too late. My floors are down. And we hear it every day. And it's such a shame because not only did they miss out on all the benefits, the physical benefits and financial benefits, which I haven't described yet, but all the trades missed out because they didn't get those that extra goodwill from the client and offering another service, the extra revenue streams. It's not just selling the floor heating, but installing if they want. Um, and of course we miss out, uh, but it brings me to my thing, your biggest, it sounds like your biggest issue for the business and the biggest thing, the biggest hurdle to overcome, uh, to, to expand the business is actually educating the market. That's it. And it's educating, uh, both your trades and builders and it's to the, the, you know, why they should be offering floor heating and blah, blah, blah. But also educating uh, people like my mum who's like, oh, no, floor heating, it's going to cost cost too much um, and and it's going to be expensive. And also it's only for the bathroom because it's not, it's for the entire house. So that's uh, one of the uh, misconceptions as well. So I'll, I'll go back to your other misconception. 
a lot of people think floor heating is expensive to run, but it's actually quite cheap to run because now not only are the thermostats so smart that they, they minimize heat up time. So you don't just program them to turn on at a certain time. Like you do with most things. It's better than that. You program them to be a certain temperature at a certain time. So it learns the room over the first few days, works backwards and figures out what's the latest to turn on to get to your temperature at your time. But, but in, as a business, so just to, yeah. back to the businesses, as a business, is the hurdle is to educate the yes. market. Yes. What, how are you doing that? Okay. How are you overcoming that on both okay. the client and the thing? Because a lot of yes. really typically it's business, like even Cub, yeah, it took me about three mm. years to get people to figure out it wasn't a co-working space. Yeah. People don't actually work there. It's, yeah. not, it's not their office. You know, whenever you innovate, there's there's that inertia period of like change. Mm. And even like I watched the, the McDonald's movie, what's that called? The Founder? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know when they first create the the yeah, yeah. walk-up thing and everyone's at their cars and they're beeping the horn. Right, they're right. like, hey, bring me my fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because you, there was an mm-hmm. there was a there was an education period. No, that's not how it works. You you got to go to the counter. And then they went to the counter and they got the wrapping. And where do I, where do I eat it? Right. Go eat it wherever so you that, want. You know, like it's that learning. That's that's, that's that's where you are. That's right. So that's when you said before about my enthusiasm. I said it's also frustration. This is part of it because I know for a fact not only is floor heating the best product around, but the opportunity to sell floor heating for those in the industries is unparalleled. And we are at the tip of the iceberg. So everything we do is not to sell or push floor heating. Obviously, that's our end goal. But all we have to do is inform about both the product and the opportunity. And how are you doing Okay, that? so how we do it. Ideally, what I do when um, I'm talking to a trade client is I give them a bit of the spiel, both on how great the product is and the opportunity. By the end, end of the day, the opportunity is simply this. What we suggest to or what we offer to trade clients is Every time they get involved with a new project, one, don't wait for your client to ask about floor heating because my get, my estimate or my guess is less than 1% of people actually think of floor heating when they're doing their floors or their renovations. So don't wait for them to ask and don't even ask them first because if you ask them first, a lot of people say automatically say no because in their mind, floor heating is expensive. Floor heating is expensive to run. Floor heating is just for bathrooms. No, it's for every room in the house. Or floor heating is just to heat the floor. No, it's to heat the room the best way possible. So it's for every floor, just about every flooring surface. So to overcome these misconceptions, what we offer to do is when you start the project and you see floors are part of the project, whether or not you're involved in the floors or even the rooms or floors are, it doesn't matter. If you see floors are being done, what we offer to do is use automatically is one of the, you know, you got a thousand things you got to do when you start a project. Add one more, which is simply automatically sent to Cold Buster Floor Heating the plans. Let us quote floor heating room by room. Our quotes are all room by room to give the client all the options to consider. They can say yes, no, room by room. Let's quote up, give back to you. Then you take it to the client, say, Mr. Client, you've hired us to do ABC for you on this site. I see floors are, are part of your project. So I took the liberty Without asking you or waiting for you to ask me, I took the liberty to get you a quote for floor eating. Uh, it's a product only is now or never. Once your floors are down, it's too late. By taking this gentle approach with the client, the worst case is the client will look at it and say, no, thanks. I didn't ask for this. 
but you'll still get that goodwill because chances are almost certainly the next guy wouldn't have done that. Well, what I like is what you're describing is basically a very good uh, partnership or referral program that's that's basically beneficial to everyone. Well, to, to overcome yeah, your right. education of the market, mm-hmm. you need to fast track yourself speaking to your client potential to the potential clients. That's the right. builder can't sell it like you do, so you got to uh, sell to the builder. Hey, if they take floor heating, first of all, you're probably going to make more money, mm-hmm. but Absolutely. also. Um, uh, but also it's going to make you look great. And even if they mm-hmm. don't do it, you don't even have to ask them. Just let me know you're doing it and I'll make you That's look right. good. So the builder, you've got to win over first. That's so right. Building a strong builder's network. And the whole point is it's always now or never once the floors are down soon. Unlike yeah, you got so that many urgency, things. That sense of That's urgency. That's right. You know, people pay a lot of money to, to build a sense of urgency artificially, you know, yeah. like on TV, buy in the next 30 minutes and get a – yeah, you actually have a real one. <laughs> I have a real built-in one, and that's what the, the whole point of this is. No gimmicks, no sales techniques, just presenting information on a great product all around that has limited oppor- limited time opportunity. And you could even, like, I mean, just to put in, it, it's just a very strong partnership and referral mm. program. For example, if you were Absolutely. maybe a real estate agent or you owned a real estate agency and uh, you've, you know, you just sold a house. Maybe as soon as you sell the house, you notify a fantastic um, uh, designer or fantastic, mm. ah, I don't know, cleaners who do the big clean before you go in. And you tell the person, hey, look, by the way, you know, you got the new house. Mm-hmm. We've also got these great partnerships that you give, you need yep. to do your cleaning. They, they mm-hmm. get a discount because they're partners with us and they might not use them because they might have their own designer, cleaner, yep. whatever, but at least they're like, shit. That's nice. Thank you. you know, I, I respect that. And it, it's just that good. Or even if Cub did uh, partnerships with um, accountants, you mm-hmm. know, when you when, when an accountant, when a business ticks over uh, uh, X million in revenue, you know, tell them, look, they, they, they probably need to connect with others in the similar position. Yeah, why, why don't you mm-hmm. go speak to Cub? Um, blah, blah. I actually don't know what the benefit to the accountant would be in that case, but it'd be great for Cub. You know? <laughs> like, so, so that would be a bad one because you'd want to find a way for the accountant to benefit That's right. as well. So, And you want to do it without being pushy or salesy yes. or anything like that. And we don't have to get involved in any of that. And I think it's also very important, probably the most important thing about a strong referral or, or partnership program is your relationship with, in your yeah. case, the builders. That's you right. need to be front of mind, present. You need to know mm-hmm. every job they've got going on. You need to, That's right. you need to be going to lunch with them, having a beer, um, and just being there. I mean, businesses, uh, all, all major businesses, or especially all the big businesses, mm-hmm. have big teams of account managers or yeah. relationship managers or – and the reality is that's unique – business is about relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is other aspects, but relationships is always first. And if someone knows you, you're front of mind, they're going to use you. Realistically, Absolutely. if I was like – I mean, Cub does do it. We're hiring a suite of uh, relationship managers at the moment to look after a portfolio of members each to make sure those members have uh, uh, mm-hmm. the, the highest level of personalised service and care and support from the club and blah, blah, blah. Um, you really should have a suite of – uh, account well, managers who go build relationships with builders and then we're, we are uh, we are a small-ish family business but we're growing very quickly and I just put on my first uh, I would do a lot of the sales activities myself as the managing director and obviously I'm going to be most passionate about it but I've just put on my first um, client relationship manager mm. last Monday yeah, it's the most important and, thing you and do this I reckon will be, yeah and we're, we're going to keep adding them as as uh, as, as, as a, needed. Gra- it's, a gradual it's, it's, uh, need. It's yes. very important. Like even for us, 
we never had it comes what seven eight years now we never had um relationship managers mm. but we're in the bloody people business yeah. and it got to this year and i thought what am i doing well, we need to be well i mean we got the, the basically sydney's full and so it's like okay well we don't need to really sell anymore we need to just make sure the service is through the mm. roof but really we should have been doing that from the yes, start and i think absolutely. that was a mistake i made and i think it's a mistake a lot of businesses make it's from the start you should be having uh, relationship managers mm. you should be having people that their job is focusing on your clients. That's uh, the only job. and, and re- Absolutely. And that's where I see the most potential for our business. We don't have to go looking for new business. We've got a huge list of ongoing regular clients, but we know with probably 99% of them, there's so much more potential because they're not being as proactive as what I described we should be doing to maximize the benefits for everyone. And this is what this client relationship manager yeah. will do is, is, is maximize, benefit, maximize benefits with each of these clients rather than having to go and do sales to new Yeah, oh, if I was you, I'd go buy a list of every builder in mm. the areas that you want, give your relationship manager the numbers, mm. get them to give them a call and catch so up you, for a coffee and, and, and create a partnership. See, that's with new sales, which takes longer, obviously. We've got an existing database of clients that, we're, that there's so much more potential with. Yeah. So we'll yeah. go through that first and yeah. hopefully we'll never get to the end because it's a long list and well, you bring new up- clients keep coming to us all the time, very, very, you know, very via word of mouth and SEO and all that stuff. So that's not an issue. It's just we have so much potential with our existing clients. Yeah. Well, I mean, you bring up a, a, another very important point, which is, you know, there is generating new partnerships and clients, but also probably more importantly, is, is working with the existing and because yep. your clients are, uh, they're doing new jobs all the time. Mm-hmm, so absolutely. every one of them can have yep. six jobs a year for you to that's think. Right. So you that's should be quoting all six of those right. jobs. That's right. And this is what uh, this, this, so that's new, what this, person's doing. this new guy's going to oh, be I doing. Would be investing but having said that, we don't ignore obviously the opportunity for, for new clients. Like for instance, we're in the Sydney Build Show um, this week. Uh, well, this is airing a Monday after the Sydney Build Show. But uh, I'm also going to Adelaide the following week uh, for another show. We're that, doing other other things as well. That build show that's that's a huge conference for builders, isn't it? No, there, um, there's one. Oh no, Sydney Home Show is the home one show. I know. Oh, okay, yeah, because it's a, before the build show. So there's some, some one of our members, a few yeah. of our members are going as speakers at some big construction. Yeah, I, I I, I, I'm going to go to that one as a visitor. Yeah, but I'm on the one before that as the Sydney. There's home a lot show. of members speaking at yeah. that thing. We should connect okay, you. Who's yeah. going? I can't remember who's yeah. going, but I, I connected them. Anyway, I'll figure it out. But yeah, exactly. It gets to a point where how much new business do I need in a specific area? For example, like Cub. Okay, well, we don't really necessarily need much new business in uh, Sydney City, but we don't want to stop growing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Parramatta's opening now and Cronulla's opening. So you can okay. you can you can continue focusing on existing clients in areas that you're satisfied and you just continue expanding That's right. in new regions. The key though is don't expand too quickly. It's countless how many businesses end up failing because they, they grew too quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's much. true. At the same time, if you don't push to open, you're probably not yep. opening. And well, I think the biggest thing is There's a balance, but it, absolutely. It you got to keep growing. That's what we're yeah. doing. Keep innovating. I, I always felt that if I, um, if I opened Melbourne even one year later or two years later than what I did, because I opened Melbourne in like the second year or something mm-hmm. like that, I would have been still where we are today in Melbourne, which is an incredible position, but I would have done it in a short amount of time mm. because I would have been 
had a bigger team to be able to do that. It would have been stronger our operations would be down packed. So I agree with what, what you're saying. Sometimes waiting a bit longer is, but maybe at that point. Well, I don't say we're more. waiting. I'm just saying there's different levels or amounts you can push. If I push too hard and there's, like I said, there's unlimited potential. If I grew too hard, you're at that extra risk that you've taken on more resources. If I, if I sell too much, I don't have the, the, the guys to quote them. I don't have the guys mm -hmm. to install them. But I am growing and I am putting on these guys, but it's got to be um, and the steady building, growth. The building industry at the moment too is suffering a bit with yes. uh, staffing and all that thing. Are you guys seeing that with your partners and, and, and um, yourselves? Yes. Uh, more and more our projects keep getting delayed. They book us in and then they have to, to change it. Why so is that? Because they can't actually do the job. Because obviously a lot of uh, the processes come before us and a lot come after us. They can't get materials to, you know, we had one – Client in, I think it was in Tasmania, couldn't get concrete. So, isn't that amazing? Delayed. Builder can't yeah. get concrete. Or I hear timber's or a big too, issue these yeah, days. Yeah, timber's and too glass. expensive. And everything relates to everything in the building industry as far as timing. So, um. it's an amazing industry. Like, uh, I got a friend who's a, a big developer out of Parramatta. I went to, so we're looking at one of their buildings um, to put cabin for Parramatta. And I was there yesterday and I was thinking about my business and how hard that is. And then I got to his site and I'm going up these fake elevators yeah. into the scaffolding, walking around. And I'm thinking all the people that are there yeah. and all the shit that can go wrong and all the rocks can fall from the thing. I'm just thinking, holy shit, yeah. this is a difficult business. Like this is a big industry and you yeah. can just see like it It must not be – it's not an easy space yeah. but it's probably the, the one that has the oh, biggest growth in our country. Yet another great thing about floor heating is of all these uh, services that go into a building, floor heating – is quite uh, easy to uh, to add in. You know, all you need is a, the floor space cleared. We go in, we do our bit, and then you put the flooring down. So it doesn't really interrupt anything before or after us. It doesn't make anything different. It doesn't prolong anything. It's very uh, easy to slot in. Yeah. And obviously, so we mentioned your wife uh, pushed you into cab. Um, mm. it, was it? Are you happy about her pushing you? Well, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm sitting here, aren't yeah. I? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of benefits uh, to Cup. What have you loved most? Obviously, the, meeting the people and, and the core groups. Um, and just, you know, I've just finished my first year with, with Cup, so I, I enjoy all the uh, online uh, seminars as well. Oh, awesome. Learn a lot that way. Well, you're probably the only floor heater we have in the club, so that's oh, I hope cool. so, and I want to keep it that way. <laughs> we can't do that, but you'd be one of the lucky that are. Well, that's the one. thing. It's such a small niche market. There's just a handful of us. Mm. Very easy competing with with the others, um, but the main thing I'm looking at is growth of the industry. Because, like I said, we're at the tip of the iceberg. I don't have to worry about grabbing market share. I want to grow the market. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. position. And you put as your favorite quote in the prep sheet, and the end. Uh, fuck, there's my dyslexia. And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Yes. Yeah, so that's what obviously that that's from the Beatles. What does it mean? Um, I just feel uh, you get what you uh, put in. You get out what you put in. Uh, is that, it's a very simple um, statement, and I, I think uh, a lot of people know that statement and f people get different things out of it. But, uh, you know, I'm a big Beatles fan, so that, that felt suitable. No, I get that. What I take it was, it's like I'm a big believer in there being 
for every up there's a down, for every down there's an up, there's like an equal in energy. And that's kind of what I take from that. You know, if you even put- with floor heating, for all the <laughs> all the guys that buy floor heating, the downside is those suckers selling other types of inefficient heating lose out on sales. I really feel for those guys. I'll tell you what, I've never met anyone in my life who loves floor heating like you do. But um, but I think you can see the vision of of the the, the market, and you can mm. see what what the potential that's there, and, and I admire that greatly. And Thank lastly, you. I just wanted to ask your final question: Is um, uh, you've got four kids, mm. um, you've you've experienced many different businesses, you've, you've experienced the world, you've moved countries, you've you've um, um, been married, separated, married. You, you've done a lot. You've had mm-hmm. a, a big life already, and you've still got a long time to go. Hopefully, what would be the what would be a key lesson? If you could teach your kids one lesson in terms of their career or business, what would that be? And you can take time to think about this. No, I think I know. It's don't be afraid to try things and make mistakes as long as you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, like most people in businesses uh, make lots of mistakes. you got to learn from them or it's a waste. Yeah. And quite costly. Yeah, <laughs> Laura's smiling because we actually have that rule of cup. We've actually got in our induction, uh, like when new team members, we've got like a code of conduct for new team members in, in that code of conduct. It literally says, we don't care if you make mistakes, just let us know and learn from it. Mm-hmm. But if you make it three times, leave. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, it doesn't say leave. But even, even don't when, be stupid, I think is what Even when something goes wrong in our business, what I do is I get everyone together and how did this happen and – what can we do so this doesn't happen again? Because there's no point a mistake happening and you can't correct it. And that's and plug to, the whole. It, to my point before is even a mistake. If every down there can there can be an equal up, but you have to find you have to choose to mm. to do it. You know. So if you make a mistake, well, what what caused it? Let's fix it. Bang! That's, that's it. the equal up. It's not that's happening it. again. I think that's a very important lesson. Mm. And and um, to our listeners. Uh, members and non-members, if you're a builder or anyone in the trades industry, you should definitely get in contact uh, with Rick. Um, and you can do that at cub.club forward slash podcast. You can find his LinkedIn website, uh, key lessons and all the details there. Um, it, it, put it this way. If I wasn't sold on floor heating before this, I definitely am now. And so my next house, I'll be I'll be making sure I've got some, some beautiful warm floors. But also uh, to the listeners, I hope you enjoyed another episode. Rick, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Daniel. See you guys. Bye-bye.